Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. And we are live here on the January 25th edition of the MMA Industry Podcast. I am, of course, James Lynch. And today we have a very special guest. I'm going to be joined. I am joined right now by Mike Heck. Uh, you know him from the SFLC Podcast. He also does some great work over on Sports Illustrated, Fanside MMA, and My MMA News. Mike, how the heck are you today? Wow. You threw the last name into the introduction and everything uh, in more ways than one. It's nice to be on this side. And I have a weird memory when it comes to this stuff because the last time we did this was June 5th. 2016, the day after UFC 199. That was the last time I was on the other side of this with you. So uh, very happy to be here. I'm a big fan of, of what you're doing with the show. So so thank you for having me. And your check's in the mail. I appreciate that. But uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, you and I have not actually met in real life. Um, that hopefully will change at some point because I know we've, you know, it seems like you'll cover one event. I'll cover one event. It just doesn't happen to be the same event that we're uh, both covering. But uh, I'll, I'll mention the first time I became aware of you anyways. Um, that was, uh, and we talk about this actually, I feel like a couple months back, but uh, December 2015, uh, the Titan FC card getting canceled. I, I remember that was like the first time I'd like come across you because, uh, you know, you, like myself, were doing a lot of interviews for that card. And of course, that card ended up getting canceled two weeks before. And I remember you had, uh, I think it was either Brian Levick, uh, you know, God rest his soul, and uh, or and or Jeff Aronson. Aronson. No, it wouldn't have been Jeff Aronson because he was sick. But I remember you had Brian on to talk about the cancellation. And uh, I remember at the time, everyone was kind of, you know, really going after Titan because the card was canceled so soon. But you were kind of giving the other side of the story, uh, kind of explaining that the health issues that, that Jeff Aronson was suffering from. Uh, does this all sound familiar to you? Yeah, I remember because I was supposed to interview Jeff for the first time um, the day that it all happened. Uh, I was scheduled to talk to him. Brian Levick had set it up, the, the great Brian Levick, like you said, God rest his soul. And, you know, I, I kept trying to call him and, and text him and, and I couldn't get anything back. And then about a half hour later, Brian had let me know what had happened. And I was like, oh, my God. And then I started seeing the posts on Twitter and social media and everything. And, and people were responding to it and just ripping Titan and, you know, and kind of hearing both sides of the story. I was like, why are you so upset right now? Like this guy had a major health scare and you know, he's the day-to-day guy. Like you couldn't be in his shoes. It's not like we could be Dana White or Jeff Aronson and run the day-to-day operations of a fight organization. Like I can't do that. It's not my responsibility to do that. And fighters aren't in that position either. So you don't know how the day-to-day operations run without a Jeff Aronson there to run that place. So I I thought that people reacted very, very awfully when it came to that situation. So I, I put my foot down. I just kind of ranted about it and went on this little run and people heard it. And then I had Brian on the next day to, to, to kind of give that side of the story. And it looked like everything worked out from there, but um, I just didn't like the way that Titan was, was being treated in that situation. I thought it was pretty ridiculous. 
Yeah, and then I thought it was interesting, and I can't remember after that. I think I just remember after that I really started listening to your show because I was like, oh, I really like the way kind of you did that. And then also, I mean, you're very talented on air, and we'll, we'll get into all that as far as your your radio and broadcasting career. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it sort of I just it seemed like from that point on. I mean, I remember the show was getting bigger and bigger, and then I know you started working for Fansided, and and we'll kind of talk about that uh, trajectory. Sorry, your uh, your sort of your evolution uh, in this industry. But I want to go all the way back to the beginning, Mike. Um, where did the interest come as far as you know combat sports and everything? else um i know you watched a little bit of pro wrestling is that where it started first or was it mma first it was i mean it was pro wrestling first obviously growing up i was a big pro wrestling guy um i remember one of my most vivid moments of of watching pro wrestling was andre the giant getting body slammed by hulk hogan at wrestlemania 3 i think i was four years old when that happened and for some reason that stuck in my brain and i watched wrestling for a while and i remember the ufc coming into fruition and, and all the talk about there being no rules and all that stuff and I don't, I know I didn't watch the first one, but I happened to be at my aunt and uncle's house. I don't know. I, I don't remember. It was one of the early UFCs and I remember watching, I don't remember who they were, but it was a little guy taking on a huge guy. And I was like, there's no way the little guy is going to win as a, as a 12 or 13 year old kid. And the little guy ended up winning. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. I can't believe that just happened. And then I think the first event that really got me interested in the UFC because of the pro wrestling side of it was when Ken Shamrock went back to the UFC to fight Tito Ortiz. That was the first event I ever ordered. Uh, I was so fired up for that. And I was so disappointed because Ken Shamrock always had this moniker of the most dangerous man. He was in the WWF ankle locking everybody. Didn't matter who they were. He was belly to belly suplexing everybody. And then Tito just kind of beat the brakes off of him. Um, And then I kind of just, it kind of just went away for a while. And then the first season of tough, that's, that's when everything changed. Uh, All my friends started getting into it. We were talking on the phone all the time doing like, group calls during during the first season of tough and of course I, I had a big party in my house to watch the the finale of the first season we were big fans of Diego Sanchez we were so excited when he when he beat Kenny Florian and then obviously the the Stefan Bonner uh France Forrest Griffin fight which changed the way that the UFC is today I mean it was the big turning point for that organization so I guess it really all started there and then I started watching a little more and more and I think the first pay-per-view after that that I watched was uh, when Chuck Liddell won the UFC light heavyweight title, I went and shot pool with my brother at this bar out in the Boston area. And that was on and, and Chuck just brutally knocked out Randy Gator. And I remember being like, whoa, this is, this is something else. And it just all kind of came from, it just all kind of went from there. Just, you know, and I think fans of sports in a lot of ways, they'll, they'll get into something and they'll, they'll get really into it. And then life kind of takes over at a time. And then you, you lose it a little bit and then something spirals it back. And that's really what happened to me. It was kind of a roller coaster ride for a little while. And, you know, that's kind of how my fanmanship has gone with the UFC. But ever since probably like three or four years ago, it's been, been all, I've been all about MMA. That's interesting. I didn't know that uh, it was it was the Ultimate Fighter because that that was for me as well. It was the first season, and I was actually I was on the other side. I, I was a big Chris Liebman fan on that uh, on that show, uh, Team Couture, uh, back in the day, and that's sort of what hooked me. But uh, no, that I, I find that uh, very interesting as well. Um, now, I didn't even mention this. You you have a day job. You do this part time. Um, you are the uh, digital managing editor at uh, Town Square Media, which is actually where we're catching you here live on location today. Um, as far as the the broadcasting and radio career, when did that sort of start? And did you go to school for that? I did not go to school for that. Uh, I, fell, I fell into this job by accident. Um, it was a, it was it was just a fluke thing. Uh, the radio station I worked for, they had a hard time keeping people here. They would bring in morning show hosts from all over the country, and they would stay for a few months, and then they they would leave. So rather than do another national search, the afternoon host here decided, you know what, I'm just going to take over mornings. I'm not going anywhere let's get another afternoon guy. So they had a guy lined up who works for a local station in this area or had at the time. And they didn't think there was any chance that he would turn it down. And after a bunch of meetings, they thought he was in. And then one conversation happened and they realized that he's not going to take the job. And then they were like, what do we do now? And someone had brought my name up because I host trivia nights and DJ weddings and and host karaoke nights in the County. And I've been doing it for years so someone had said, well, what about Mike? I believe it was my brother, actually, because he had just got back uh, to work with the radio station in a different role. And he was like, well, what about my brother? And they were like, wow, that's a good idea. So it took a lot of selling to get me in there because uh, the guy who does mornings now is also the, the program director. He was familiar with me. I had to train him for uh, doing the trivia nights and all that stuff. So he knew you know, how I am as far as interaction goes, voice-wise, entertaining-wise. Uh, so he gave me a shot and... You know, one thing led to another. I did a couple of weekend shifts at random times where very few people were listening. And, you know, they sent air checks along to the bosses and, and here I am. 
Cool. What, what were you doing before that? Like as far as work and everything like that, before this all sort of happened with the trivia nights and the, the DJ gigs and, and all that other stuff. I was bartending, man. Like okay. I, I, I grew up in the Boston area. I was in, I was in the Dallas area for a little while. I have some family down there. So I spent some time there, but I, I had a, a job working at a 24 hour fitness and I was doing really well and uh, making good money on commission and stuff. And then they did the, the company decided to change the way that they were handling sales and commission. So um, I actually ended up getting laid off from there. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do now. So my brother had just started the entertainment company and was like, do you want to come out here? And I said, sure, I'll try anything at this point. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So I went out there, started doing that. I got a job bartending. And basically for me, that was great. I just got to talk to people about sports and, and serve food and talk about beers and stuff. And that worked out great. And you know, and then the radio thing happened and, you know, it's been, it's been a pretty crazy ride. It's so interesting to hear uh, other, you know, jobs that people have done sort of along the way. I also worked at a gym at one point and I was in customer service. So um, you sort of have to learn. I mean, I feel like a lot of my improv was sort of developed there in that job. And I had another job where I worked at a deli when I was in, in college and things like that. So uh, it's it's interesting to see sort of where people, uh, you know, sort of build up their skill set because there is a lot of stuff that you can't learn in school. You got to just sort of uh, learn on your own. And it's definitely translated well for you as well. Um, now, I mentioned, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, being a fan of mixed martial arts, but as far as the first sort of media related thing you did uh, in terms of MMA, was it the SFLC podcast or was there something else before that? The podcast started because um, I had actually heard Steve Austin's podcast and I was like, wow, I think I could, I could do this. And I was working nights. My wife was working days once we had our son. So um, I decided that, you know, I'm going to get Ryan Sprague for who's from Chicago. I'd known him because he used to live in the area. I was like, we're just going to talk about sports. We're just going to run our mouths and, and just talk sports. We're going to pretend to be like ESPN sports center anchors and start talking sports. And we never really covered MMA. Like I had a buddy, I have a buddy from, from Dallas, who's a big MMA fan. So I'd bring him on to talk about upcoming events and stuff like that. But as far as MMA goes, the first guy I reached out to on Twitter, I just wanted this to see it. Cause I'd seen him on the ultimate fighter. I knew he was a Boston guy. He was in the UFC was Joe Proctor. I hit him up cool. on Twitter and I was like, do you want to, do you want to come on and do an interview? And I didn't think he'd say yes. And he was like, sure. What time do you want to do it? So he was the first guy I interviewed. And then um, Brian Moore, who I, I know you're familiar with from Legends of the Cage, actually reached out to me because he had heard the interview. And he was like, hey, there's this event coming up in Syracuse. It's, it's with all the legends. You know, when I work with all these guys, would you be interested in having them on? So I had Gary Goodrich on and Cal Warsham on and, and a couple of others. And they had this event out in Syracuse called the MMA Classic Fan Expo. And he had told me, you know, you should come out and, and, and meet the fighters and stuff like that. And I was like, Sure. So I went, Ryan took a train from Chicago. My buddy Mike flew from Dallas to come to this thing. So we all went and Dan Severn was there. And that's when everything changed for me. Uh, I was walking around and there were a lot of different fighters there. Like a lot of like Pat Smith was there and a bunch of different legends, um, Paul Varlins and guys like that. And Dan Severn was standing there. And I remember Dan Severn, for, obviously from the UFC, but I remembered him from the WWF and I was like, if I go and talk to this guy, he's probably not going to say anything unless Jim Cornette comes from behind the, the curtain and starts talking for him. But, you know, I'm sure you've talked to Dan Severn a couple of times. That guy can talk forever. And I couldn't believe it. But he was such a fascinating guy and he was so easy to talk to. And from that point forward, I was like, huh, maybe there's something here. So I remember watching the UFC event. We went out that night. DC fought Alexander Gustafson. Uh, that, incre that that fantastic fight that happened. And then there was, the expo happened the second day. So I talked to guys like Brian Ebersole, talked to Claudia Gedalia, Felice Herring was there, Ashley Evan Smith was there, and did a bunch of interviews and just, just chit-chat. I had no agenda. Um, and we talked about the fight, and, and we just talked about what they were doing there and, and some of the things that they've seen. Uh, and that's actually where I met Eric Kowal from IMA News. He was out there covering that event as well, and he was a part of bringing some of those fighters out there, like Felice and Ashley and uh, Carlos Sparza and Claudia Gedalia. Uh, so I had met Eric. I actually interviewed him um, at one cool. point. Like, whoa, what do you want to interview me for? And then one thing led to another, and you know, him, him and I have a great relationship. But it was that it was that very weekend that everything changed. I remember me and Ryan went out to lunch after the second day of the expo, and I said, you know what? This is what we're doing from now on. And he was a little, he was a little tentative on that. I'm like, listen, sports fan like conduct is going away. We're going to be the SFLC podcast. It sounds more MMA. Like it's not the ultimate fighting championship considering more. It's the UFC. We're going to shorten the name. And we're just going to interview fighters. Like that's what we're going to do from now on. And obviously that was a, that was a great decision. It, you just learn so much talking to these, to these people. They're so accessible. And it was, 
that's where it all started. And we haven't turned back ever since. Why didn't you decide to change the name at the time? Like just, I know the, obviously you shortened it, but why, why not give it something a bit more like MMA? Like, was there ever a discussion of that? Or you just thought, nah, we'll just, we'll shorten it and keep the brand and we'll, you know, we'll keep it going. It was more of just like, you know, let's just try it and, and see if it works. It's easier to say than sports fan like conduct. So I was like, let's right. call it MLC and see what happens. And it was funny about a year ago, I had talked to Eric and I said, I'm going to change the name of the show. And he was like, why would you do that? And I was going to change it between the links. Like that was going to be the new name of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, he goes, you got a following now. He goes, they're synonymous with the name. I think you're crazy if you change the name right now. So that, Interesting. that, that thought crossed my mind last, like early last year. Uh, but I just think the name kind of has a bell. It's, it's a little bizarre. Not, you know, there's guys like Loudmouth MMA and Loaded Joe's MMA and the Parting Shot podcast. They have more of a memory. And I was just like, well, you know, we've gotten this far with SFLC. We'll, we'll just stick with it. We'll add between the links and another element, as, as you've seen multiple times coming on that show. Yes, yes. Um, and, and quick uh, shout out to Eric. Uh, great guy. Uh, I actually had the chance to meet Eric uh, in June of last year at the Bellator show. So it's always nice to, you know, you see all these people that you interact with on Twitter, you talk to them here and there, and to actually meet them in person is, is always uh, always fun. I think that's one of my favorite things about uh, covering events is getting to, to meet people that, you've, you know, you've talked with for a while, but haven't had the opportunity to, uh, you know, have a beer with or anything like that. So that's always kind of neat. Um, yeah, that's, that's very interesting. Um, so as far as the first event you ever covered for MMA, because I know you've, um, you know, You've, you've, we just talked about off the top that you covered UFC 220 uh, this past week. And I know your first UFC event, if I'm not mistaken, was that Alberni card that uh, was like sandwiched in between UFC 206. But what about like local MMA? Was there like a show that you covered before that or anything? Uh, the first show I covered was Bellator, actually. It was oh, cool. uh, Benson Henderson's debut against uh, Koreshkov. That was the first event that I applied for credentials for. Uh, and that was the first one that I got approved for. And uh, went out there and sat cage side, and I was like, wow, this is really cool, and did, did the scrums afterwards. Uh, so I knew from that point that I, I could get Bellator credentials, and I didn't think the UFC credentials were even possible. So I knew they were coming to Albany. I had actually like reached out to the UFC and be like, listen, I'm on local radio. I'd love to to help promote this card for you. I'd love to interview fighters on the radio. Like, Let me know what we can do, and, and I'd, be, I'd love to have them on. If we can get them up in studio, it's like a 45-minute ride. Let, let's see what we can do to make that happen. And I just applied and, and said, you know, we'll see what happens. And I think I talked to you about it. I talked to David Martin about it, about what, you know, the best way to go about it. And I applied expecting the worst. And then I got the, you know, I got the, go ahead, you're, you're good to go. And that was a lot of fun because one, it's nice being close to home. I mean, it was a 45 minute ride. So I got to go to everything. I took the week off from work. So I went to the open workouts. I went to the the morning weigh-ins and all that stuff and it was cool I got to do a lot of different interviews there there were some good scrums we got some bonus scrums with Chris Weidman and one thing that I thought was really fascinating was that nobody was there there was nobody there there was MMA junkie there was me and then there was a bunch of local media and that was it so it was such a big advantage for me to get extra coverage and and, and get more you know more different stuff that a lot of people were getting because there just wasn't a lot of media out there so that was a big eye-opener for me uh to to do that. So that was my first UFC experience. And you got to really see the machine that they were like how organized they are and you know, how on schedule they are with everything. And, and I was really impressed. That, that was a big turning point with the way, I mean, I always had a lot of respect for the UFC, but at that point on, I was like, when people say the UFC machine, that's exactly what they're talking about. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause I was on the other side of the coin with that. Cause I was in Toronto and similar situation um, literally blocks away is the air Canada center where they had the event and uh, all the media stuff was at the Westin, which again, I pretty much could walk to. It was like a 15 minute walk from my condo. So it's interesting that you were on the other side uh, where there, you know, there wasn't a lot of media. And then on my side, it was, it was packed. And actually what's interesting about that fight week too, is that uh, Wednesday they had the open workouts um, at, uh, at Massey hall, which is like a pretty like, um, you know, historic venue. They've had like, you know, a bunch of concerts there and, and, you know, Joe Rogan does his, spe- or his uh, comedy stuff there as well when he's in town and things like that. And uh, there wasn't a lot of media for that. But then on the Thursday, uh, they had, you know, the you, you've seen this, this, the sit down media day where, you know, the fighters are on their chairs and you have to run around and time manage like crazy and pick, uh, you know, which ones you want to interview. And that day was packed. Like I remember like being shoulder to shoulder with people trying to get interviews and it was, it was very difficult. So I'm sure, uh, you know, being on your end where, you know, it's just a few media people, uh, you know, the access is a lot better. And 
you might not have the bigger names, but sometimes you get really good content that way, which is uh, very, very kind of interesting there. Um, so, you know, we talked about obviously, you know, starting the podcast, you know, making that trend, that switch over to MMA. Um, were there any challenges early on? Uh, and, and as far as, uh, you know, being a dad and having a wife, I mean, was that tough? Cause you have this full-time job, you're starting to do the MMA stuff at the beginning. How did you sort of balance that and, you know, have it so your wife doesn't want to kill you? <laughs> um, I, I still deal with that as I'm sure you do from time to time. Yep. Um, I, I guess the trivia stuff actually helps me because, you know, I work full time at the radio station and then I host either a music bingo night or a trivia night three nights a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So I know when I'm done with trivia nights on Wednesday nights, it's like nine 30 or 10 o'clock and I know she's asleep and I know he's asleep. So if I'm going to do it, now's the time. And I have a studio that I can do all this stuff in. So I'm like, you know what? They're already asleep anyways. I'm not really missing a lot of family time because they're asleep anyways. So just come back to the studio and bang out what I can. Um, that's really the balance at this point. It's, it, it is difficult uh, because there are days where I'm just like exhausted. And I'm like, oh, now I have to do like two or three interviews or I'm going to do between the links for an hour and a half. But, you know, once I get in the studio and once I start talking, you know, it's just it, it's it's all good. The adrenaline starts to pump. I get all fired up and you know, the, the, the fatigue just leaves you at that point. Yeah. And I should mention this, uh, this is how nice of a guy Mike is. So I, I couldn't do his show last night. Cause I just got back from, uh, from Cancun on vacation. So I said, Hey Mike, unfortunately I can't do your show tonight, but would you want to come on my show the next day? So uh, <laughs> I, I really do appreciate you being here today. It's uh, that, that's the type of guy uh, Mike is or whatever. Um, you know, we talk about obviously, uh, you know, the, the balancing act as far as the day job and everything like that. Has there ever been any points where your day job maybe, you know, kind of wants to say, Hey, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, they give you crap about using the studio or anything. Like I had it in my day job for, for a while where, you know, I was, they would get mad if I would, um, you know, if I took time off or things like that to, to do this. Cause they felt like in some ways it was compromising my, my day job. Do you ever get that at all? I never really let it affect that time. Like if, you know, if I have an interview lineup in the afternoon or something, like it'll be during a lunch break or something like I, I, and if someone's in the studio, I don't ever like say, Hey, get out of the studio so I can do this MMA stuff. Like it doesn't really work out that way. And I use this, you know, I use the studio at night. So nobody's, nobody's even here at this point. So I don't really have any problems with that. And there's not a lot of times where one coexists with the other. Although there are times where, you know, I do interviews for the podcast that I'll air on the radio because they want me to. So sometimes that works out and, you know, I can mesh the two together a little bit. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Um, what about mentors? Were there, was there anyone sort of early on that you, you know, would constantly, you know, sort of bounce ideas off of? I mean, you and I talked, but I wouldn't really say, I, I think, you know, we were sort of uh, helping each other out as far as, uh, you know, the come up. Cause I mean, if you look at where, where you are now, I mean, you and I even work for the same outlet now, it's pretty crazy to see kind of where, uh, you know, we started and where we've sort of ended up, but was, it was safe to say Damon Martin was probably a big one. Eric Koloff for sure. At yeah. first, um, he was kind of, he was always that like positive voice. You know, he was always that guy that, that would give you compliments. And, and, you know, if you did something great, that he would tell you. If there's something you messed up on, like, the description of the episode, he'd be the first one to tell you. If there's something that, you know, he thought I missed, he'd tell you that. Like, he was great at that. And Damon, obviously, uh, was another guy as well. Um, obviously, he's, he's been in the game a long time. He's seen it all. He's been through media bands and things like that. So if I had ideas to bounce off him, he was always great to come back to. Uh, another guy who's really good and, and gracious with this time – considering how massive he is in the community is, is, is Ariel Hawani. I had him on the podcast, reached out one time. I was like, do you want to come on? Didn't think he'd ever say yes. He, he did. And now if I ever, you know, if I have a question about something, and I've had some questions um, about interviewing and stuff, because obviously he's at the top of his game when it comes to that. And uh, one, one in particular was when I had Aljamain Sterling on. It was right. It was about a day after, maybe two days after that thing with him and Cody Garbrandt, um, how things just, just really took a wrong turn there. So I'd asked Ariel, I'm like, I'm like, I want to bring this up to him. And I, I reached out to him and I was like, listen, do you mind if we bring this up and talk about it? He goes, yeah, dude, ask whatever. But I, it's a, it's a sensitive subject. I wanted to approach this in the right way. I didn't want to like just immediately fire it out. So I asked his advice on what way to approach it. And, and he came back and gave me advice and I did exactly what he told me and it worked out fantastic. So, and then obviously you, man, I mean, you know, there was a time full disclosure when I got this new job, I was like, I think I'm just going to step back for a while and, and get into this. And you were like, no, don't do that. I'm telling you just, you know, even if you have like a couple hours a week, just, just keep doing it. I'm telling you, just, just, just continue on, try to balance it any way you possibly can. And that meant a lot, man. And it really did. Like I needed to hear that when it comes to that, um, to, to MMA, cause I loved it so much and it can be a grind at times, but there's something about it that just gets your blood flowing. 
you know, with yeah. talking and, and trying to present material in a, in a unique and a different way and talking to you about that. Cause I was, I mean, I was 99% saying, you know, we'll see what happens like in a year, maybe I'll come back and do it again. You're like, no, don't stop. And I appreciate that. Well, glad to help. And I think I could relate in the sense that I was sort of, uh, you know, with the amount of work I was doing on the side, just with my day job, I, I was like, you know, you can make this work. I mean, it's not going to be pretty. I mean, you're, you know, you're not going to have much of a social life and, you know, you, you have to sort of really prioritize things with your family, uh, but it can be done. I think, especially if you have the passion for it. And I could always see that that you did have that passion for it. I mean, there's, you know, if you like covering events, if you like interviewing fighters, if you like, you know, being on top of things, you know, being on Twitter all the time, I mean, that's, you, you live and breathe this life and you have to really want it. And I could see that you had that. And so I was like, you know, there's no way that, you know, you're going to just pack up your bags and leave like this easy. So I kind of just, I, I gave you a little nudge. I wouldn't say I, uh, you know, fully, you know, it's not like I had an intervention with you or anything like that, but I, uh, I certainly am glad that you are, uh, that you have st- stuck around and obviously that's worked out well uh, in terms of, uh, you know, what you've been doing this year. And that brings a good segue here because you were in, t- uh, in Boston uh, last week covering UFC 220 for Fansided. Uh, saw a couple on camera, uh, uh, you know, uh, things, uh, interviews there, which is uh, great to see because you're mainly, uh, you know, do- doing the radio stuff so we don't get to see you on camera too much um just talk to me about that conversation now uh, with you know I'm, I'm assuming mike dice who's our you know our boss over there at fansided who i will uh, get on the show here at some point um did you just sort of pitch it to him and say hey listen i live close by i'd love to cover the event because you know fansided um this is something I'll talk about after you answer this question, but uh, I'll kind of explain the, the process with credentials because it's a bit weird with the UFC compared to, you know, say a Bellator. But uh, but yeah, so how did that go as far as you uh, deciding to, to go and cover the, the show in Boston last week? Well, when I was going to apply anyways, but I had two different ways to do it. I could have gone fan-sided and I could have gone through the radio station. They were local enough. So um, I had actually reached out to Mike and I was like, listen, if you're going to apply for fan-sided, I'll just apply through the radio station and, you know, I'll do some stuff for them, but I'll do some stuff for fan-sided as well. And he was like, yeah, do it through the radio station. I'm not sure what's going to happen or if I can make it. Um, so that's really what happened. I applied through the radio station. I got the credentials and then I went to the media day and I met up with Jose Youngs, who is an absolute monster at what he does. I mean, that guy is a machine and I don't think he gets the credit he deserves by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so I'd met up with him. We just kind of briefly game planned. We got to Fenway Park. That was the first time I'd met him face to face. And we just kind of game planned. He was like, what do you want to do? I was like, I'll do whatever, man. He goes, do you want me to run the camera and you can do the interviews? I was like, sure. Why not? I mean, I, nice. I, got, I got the radio face, but you know, whatever, you know, just get me in there and you know, he's like, do you have really any kind of a game plan? And I was like, no, just whoever's open, just, just give them to me. I didn't, I didn't really care. I was like, at one point I want to talk to Daniel Cormier cause I had never interviewed him before. So I wanted to get in there and, and try to mix it up a little bit. And I was, and I would creep over and, and kind of listen to the questions he was getting. And you could tell it was all, it was a lot of John Jones, this and John Jones that. And I was like, well, I didn't want to really ask him about Jones specifically. Um, so I got in there and started talking to him. I got him to laugh a little bit. He gave me a little pat on the back because he thought I was comparing the TD Garden to Madison Square Garden, which I wasn't. I was just talking about like, you know, championship lineage and stuff. Uh, but it was really cool. Like, you know, Calvin Cater, I got to talk to him for a while. I talked to Burgos for a while. Um, John Volante is a great guy to interview. And then uh, I got a few minutes with DC and it was really cool, especially at Fenway Park. Like that was a, that was a bucket list thing. And I got to give my wife a lot of credit for that because normally I'm the, I'm the one who takes the son to school. Sometimes I have to pick him up in the afternoon and bring him to daycare. And she handled all that for me. So without her, that wouldn't even have been possible. Yeah, you really have to sort of game plan uh, with the family and everything. I when I went to Detroit to cover UFC 218 for Fightful, um, I had to get like my mother-in-law to come down and just we had to sort of coordinate it that way because it's tough because you know you're away for. I mean, if you want to go cover an event, the the ideal situation is to do the whole media experience, which would be you know go on the Wednesday, go to the open workouts, go to Thursday, go to the uh, you know the, the media day, and then Friday go to the early morning weigh-ins. I always skip the weigh-ins actually, either the real you know the the fake weigh-ins or whatever because uh, to me I can't use any footage, so there's no point in me going. Um, yeah, you get the stare downs and stuff, but I usually just, uh, I skip that and then just sort of, you know, take, take that evening off and then go full steam ahead on a Saturday. But, uh, but no, that, that's interesting. Uh, it makes a difference when you have other media members there. Um, when we covered, um, when flow combat covered, uh, the Bellator card, uh, last June, the Bellator NYC card, that, that massive event, it was so beneficial having Dwayne there, having Hunter there where they could shoot interviews as well. So I didn't have to do my normal thing where it's like, I'm going to try and get as many interviews as I can, because, you know, then you got so much editing to do and you know you it's just it's it's sort of rushed and we ended up getting so much more content than a lot of the other sites because of the fact there were three of us just basically you know having the skills to go and do you know uh questions and everything else so it worked out really well so that's that's good and that's good that he did the the camera stuff for you too because um i have to do it with the tripod 
And, you know, sometimes it's hit or miss. Uh, I talked about this last week on the show. I interviewed Eddie Alvarez at UFC 218. Video camera wasn't recording. But luckily I had the audio. The audio was good because I use a portable mic. So the audio is actually separate from the from the video thing. But video didn't record. So I had to put it just a screen grab on there and then just have the audio underneath. But I was so bummed out because it was a good interview. We ended up talking a lot about Mortal Kombat, which is always uh, a good thing. So <laughs> yeah, I had, little, I had a little issue. Uh, I had interviewed Bissette at the Fighter Hotel right before I headed back to the Berkshires. And uh, the first question I asked him, we didn't get because I, I had the camera on the wrong setting. So it only got 30 seconds and it just shut off. And I'm like, oh, if this battery dies, <laughs> so upset right now but i turned it back on and because even because i was like so what happened why did it die i'm like i don't know i'm like i just had it on the wrong setting I'm like we're good to go but it was a good it was a it was a good question too and i was kind of bummed that i didn't have it because i asked him about like you know are you really even feeling this pressure right now like is this new to you because you're on the contender series so does this all kind of feel familiar and he said that it did and uh, his appearance in the contender series really helped him out going through that machine and you know it was a lot of the same stuff so um, that was fascinating. Unfortunately, you guys didn't get to see that because I'm I'm a rookie. Fair it enough. happens to everyone. I again talked about this last week as well. Valentina Shoshenko, UFC 213 Media Day. I'm interviewing her. I got some good questions, and I think I was one of the first people like in that scrum area who got to like ask a bunch of good stuff. And partway through, I realized I'm not recording, so I have to. <laughs> I still have her. So here's the thing: I have to salvage the interview because you know I've still got her for a little bit of time, but I don't want to take up too much time because you know how media day is. You got to sort of rush. So I just had to re-ask the questions again, kind of in a different way, so I could still get the same content. But uh, yeah, that was a uh, that was a lot of that. That's a lot of improv too. You have to sort of just uh, figure out you know on the fly how you're gonna save uh, you know a, a moron who forgot to turn on the uh, the camera light so that, it happens to the best of us so media day happens was there anything you you kind of uh not regretted but was there there's you know anything that you you wish you would have got on media day because again you get like an hour there's a lot of media there you kind of have to game plan it in a way where you know you, you go for certain guys or you have to you know wait in line and hope that you get them like how did you sort of tackle that i don't think i really have any regrets like i, I dc was kind of on my the top of my list like i just really wanted to talk to him um i, I didn't feel like like with Stipe and Nganu and stuff, like I didn't feel like I had anything more to offer than they were already getting. You know what I mean? Like I feel, I didn't feel like I had anything additional to add. Like if I went up to Stipe, I would have been like, what do you think of the promotion? What do you feel like you're, you're not getting promoted? But everybody asked him that. So at that point I was just like, eh, I'll just, you know, let them ask that or whatever. Um, but I wanted to hit like, you know, the, the caters of the world. Cause and I got in line for cater first. Like we set up the tripod right there. And I think he was kind of surprised by that that like he would sit down and there's already somebody there waiting for him. So uh, that was cool. And then if I, you know, I would, I saw Burgos texting at one point, I was like, let's just go over and talk to Burgos. Like I've interviewed him a few times, never met him face to face. I just want to like say hello and we'll, we'll get a few minutes out of him. And then Volante was kind of hanging out by himself. And I knew he would say something funny if I asked him about Chris Wyden being his head coach. And of course he delivered in spades saying he was the worst and he hopes to end the fight in the first round. So he doesn't have to listen to Chris Wyden, give him instructions in between rounds, which I, which I was dying laughing about. Um, and then that, that was pretty much it, man. I, I felt like I got everything that I needed. And then, you know, I lined myself up with a cell phone down for the, for the stare downs for the fan sided Instagram account. And, you know, all in all, it was a great event. Uh, Jose went and tackled the Amanda Nunez, uh, Nina Ansaroff workout that they scheduled. And then uh, I hit Matt Bissett from there. And, and I had a great 20 minute conversation with him, just two guys shooting the breeze. I was really happy with how that turned out. And then I, I hit the road and took the two and a half hour drive back home. Oh, wow. So you went back that night. So you didn't, you didn't stay overnight then. I had to host some trivia that night. So I had a oh, wow. look, at, look at this man and his responsibilities. I had um, to, um, when I was covering Bellator NYC last year, I had to, because my vacation time with my, my old job, um, I only had a certain amount of time. And the thing was I had to allocate some time for when my wife was going to give birth to our, to our first child. So I had to use, I, this Bellator thing came up, came out of the blue, you know, they're like, Hey, we want you to go cover it. This is for, for, for flow last year. So I actually had to work from home. So I, at the Bellator press, a lot of people don't know this. I had- Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I had to get as many interviews as I can or whatever, but then I had to run back to my hotel to be on a conference call uh, for my day job. So, it, you know, wow. it, it's all these things that you have to sort of, you know, keep in mind uh, when, when you have, you know, a life outside of MMA. Um, you have It's a balancing act. You know, sometimes you, you can't take vacation time. Uh, so I had to sort of work from home and, and sort of manage things that way. So it can be difficult. And, and you know, for a lot of people, uh, they're, they're in Mike's situation, which is, you know, you have a full-time job that pays the bills and then MMA is sort of, you know, something you hope evolves into something else, but it's something that you have to take away a lot of, you know, time or whatever. Um, you know, as far as your social life and everything, we talked about you getting to, you know, spend time with your family, but what about like seeing friends? Is that even an option right now with the the new job and, and, you know, all the work you've been doing for Fansided? I'm like Jerry Seinfeld, man. I have like three or four people that I'm like hanging out with. And, and that's a rarity because a lot of the people I hang out with are in the same situation. They have kids, they have multiple jobs, they're doing a million things. So, you know, when I, when I have that time, it's usually like with my wife, it's a group setting. Um, we get a babysitter, which is tremendous. Um, I, I don't once in a while, hang out with friends and like go watch a UFC card or something like if they have them. Um, but other than that, I'm just, I'm just working all the time, man. I'm just working. And, you know, in the, the free time that I do have, I want to spend with the wife and, and spend with my son. And, you know, if we can all do something together with the three of us and like another couple with their kids, you know, we try to do that as much as possible. Um, one thing we decide is we're going to take some more, you know, we're going to get out of town and do some like day trips, just like head out for a night and, and just, just be together. And I, we're going to start that this weekend. We're going to shoot over to Lake George on Saturday and spend the night up there and, you know, try to implement that and try to balance it as much as possible. Cause as you know, this stuff, you know, especially with the full-time job and, you know, in my case, I got multiple jobs come the summer, it's wedding season on top of that. So it's just nonstop. So it's nice to, you know, you have to use that spare time however you can. And I choose to spend it with my family. And if I can squeeze in friends here and there, great. If not, then, you know, that's what happens. Now is your wife and or son, uh, are, are they into MMA at all? Or is it kind of a tough sell sometimes? My wife, uh, she's watched one card. Um, she watched the the pre Super Bowl card with Hen and Barrow and, and Uriah Faber. We had people over and she watched it and she was like, eh, not really into that. She, She's not a real pro wrestling person either, but she she loves the Miz because uh, he was in the real world, and she's got a she got a little thing for John Cena as well. But um, she's tried; she gave it a shot. Grayson's four, so he doesn't really get it at this point. But you know, he's he gets into watching Patriots games with me, so we got to start somewhere. Excellent. Um, now, as, as far as the event, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, the, the coverage of media day and everything like that. Um, the, the night of the fights, uh, are you in the back doing the interviews or are you cage side? How did you sort of balance that? I stayed in the back. We kind of had a game plan that, you know, we didn't know where we were going to be like myself and Jose. We knew one of the guys was going to be back running the camera. Um, and I, I, either way, I wanted to be in the back. I wanted to do the scrums. I wanted to do the interviews. I had a couple of fights to recap myself. I wanted to be back there and kind of experience it from, from that side of things, um, which is what I did. And I enjoyed it very much. So Jose, you know, took the, took the cage side seat. I did that. I helped, you know, upload videos and, and did interviews and ask questions during the scrums. And, you know, I was blown away by how quickly everything transpired. It was unbelievable. Like, when I covered UFC 208 in Brooklyn, it was just like, you know, a fight would end, here comes a fighter. A fight would end, here comes a fighter. A fight would end, here comes a fighter. This one was, fight would end, here comes a fighter. Then it was kind of a lull. And then we got Gastelum, and we got Verdum, and we got, like, the winners of the three previous fights before that. And then by the time that third interview ended, the other fight had ended in the middle of that third interview. So here comes another person. So it was just nonstop. It did not stop until the main card started. It was, it was incredible. Kept us on our toes the entire time. So I really enjoyed that process. Um, and I enjoyed uh, my first post-fight press conference. That was the first time I got to sit in the seat and, and get a microphone and ask some questions because I had to leave UFC 208 early because we were about to get hammered with a foot and a half of snow. 
in Boston. So when that event ended, which is like one thirty in the morning, I got in the car and drove home from Brooklyn, got home about six o'clock in the morning and I beat the storm by about an hour. So it worked out great. There you go. Add uh, add world class driver to your uh, to your resume as well. Uh, getting uh, you know getting out of there from the storm and everything. That's great. Now in the scrums, are you feeling confident as far as asking questions? Because I know it's different than when you're doing an interview, you know, like on a podcast or, or whatever. But in the scrum, there's kind of that you have to time it where you ask the question right. Um, I'm usually one of those guys who tries to get the first question if I can, because you know just in case I, you just got to be aggressive. How did you find that? Boston wasn't too bad. There weren't a lot of people in the back. I mean, obviously Ariel was there um, and there were a couple of local media guys, but I think a lot of the heavy hitters were, were cage side and, and, you know, and covering it from that aspect. So I got in there, I was like right next to Ariel. Um, If if he had a microphone in his hand, I knew he was ready to go with something. And I knew that I could bounce off of him if I needed to, because, you know, he always asks good questions and sets the table um, and I kind of wanted to do the same, but there were a couple of fighters that I knew I wanted to ask questions to like font, you know, cause I just interviewed him before that. And, um, and Julio Arce, just, just seeing the look on his face when he got back there, I'm like, I'm getting the first question. As a matter of fact, uh, Casey from MMA fighting, uh, gave me a little jab because I was so excited to ask Julio questions that, uh, the, the other media cameras weren't even turned on yet. They're like, Whoa, 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 wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> I yeah. Like, I know that hey, my bad, my bad. Um, and, you know, and hearing Julio just just react to his UFC debut and perform the way he did, um, he was so emotional. He was so over the top happy. Uh, Alassan, too. I mean, I was I was so impressed with him. And to find out, you know, things you didn't know in the process, like um, Alassan's wife or, or girlfriend was pregnant through both of those fights. Like he was going to be a dad. He's going to be a father in a week and a half. So not only did he have to prepare for Hamasi once after getting the win in controversial fashion, he had to prepare for the same opponent again. So to, to, to find out the way he balanced all that on top of getting ready to become a dad was really fascinating to me. Cool. Yeah. It, it definitely helps having that experience interviewing the fighters before, because you have sort of that rapport um, that that's something I think that, you know, comes with time. And I, I think it's important to interview uh, and, and you do this a lot like myself, where you'll interview the guys that are, you know, maybe on the prelims or maybe uh, you know, that, that aren't as well known because, you know, let's be honest. I mean, the Ariel Hawani's of the world, they're not, they're not talking to these guys usually uh, you know, on, on their, on their respective shows or, or in general uh, during events. So you have that kind of that leg up. So it's important if you, you are interviewing these guys, you know, kind of use your rapport a bit and you know there, there's stuff that a lot of the other reporters just won't know just because they don't have the time to cover that because they're too busy you know talking about some of the bigger names so uh so I, I think that's cool and it's it is neat to sort of see that i remember uh you know in toronto and misha serkinov won uh you know beat uh krilov uh in, in you know in toronto's hometown fight i mean to see the look on his face and the crowd just going nuts it's, it's cool to get to experience that as well along with the uh the fighter and everything like that um now, as far as, uh, you know, what, what's next as far as events and stuff, you mentioned, uh, you know, things are getting busy in the summer for you. Are you looking to cover any other events this year? Um, assuming, I guess it would have to be something that's local. Yeah, that's a, that's a big we'll see right now. Um, I don't think they'll come back to Boston. If they do, I'll, I'm sure I'll jump all over that if I, if I can. Uh, if they do another fight night show in Albany, I'd love to do that. Uh, that's, that's easier than going to Boston. That's literally 45 minutes away. Boston's a little bit more of a drive, but um, it was definitely easier to do that, especially on the night of the fight, because my parents lived 15 minutes away from the TD Garden. So I had a place to crash and have to get a hotel room and have to drive all the way back. Um, so that was nice. But, you know, you know, I was telling you a little bit off air that I covered UFC 208 in Brooklyn. And that was like that was just me alone. I just went out on my own and it was a really expensive trip uh, because I, I didn't know how to do it traveling. You know what I mean? So I was like, all right, we're going to Brooklyn. Let's find a hotel that's reasonably priced. Great. Of course, there was a snowstorm the day before, you know, the morning I was going to leave, they were about to get hit with 18 inches of snow in the overnight. So I was like, well, I have to leave tonight. So this is an extra night I had to stay. And then I didn't realize just how expensive it was to park anywhere. <laughs> oh, Brooklyn's yeah. such a huge city. Like I, I, I must've spent, I spent more on parking than I did in, in the hotels or anything else. There's no doubt about that. Uh, so I learned a big lesson there that, you know, if I can do it, I got to have some fun saved and I got to really do a lot of research beforehand rather than kind of fly at the seat of my pants. That was a big learning experience for me. Interesting. Uh, we got hammered with parking in Detroit when we covered 218. Like our hotel room was reasonably priced, but I think like the, I think the parking was like, 
I want to say it was like 40 bucks a night or something US, which, you know, again, Canadian dollar over here, it's not doing us any favors. So it was, uh, it was a bit of a struggle there. Granted, there was, you know, two of us, so we could kind of uh, split, split it three ways. Uh, sorry, there was three of us total. Uh, so, you know, you had to sort of a leg up there, but it's still, uh, yeah, it's, the costs add up. And, uh, you know, we're a lot of us, like I'd say the majority of people who cover the events, other than like the people who, you know, do this full time for one outlet, they're having to pay their way. So you have to factor all this in and, you know, family time and everything like that. So it's, it's difficult. Um, one thing I mentioned earlier, and I'll bring it up now is sort of how the, the process works with credentials. So Bellator will pretty much credential most outlets. I've rarely seen anyone who's been denied credentials. Uh, most, you know, local events will, will credential sort of any media, no matter what website you work for. The UFC is a completely different story. So as far as I know, from what I've been told, my years of covering events, and I think I've done probably close to 20 UFC events, um, it's pretty much if you work for a big outlet or a newspaper, you're going to get accredited. You could be a super popular site and get good hits, and sometimes it's a struggle. Like I had to convince them just to, uh, and you know, Sean Sean Ross Sapps talked about this on uh, you know his podcast with Showdown Joe. They we had to convince them to let me cover 218 for Fightful. Like I'm like I'm going here. I'm going to get all the events. I'm going to get a lot of interviews. You know the type of coverage I do. You know can you can you let this one? You know can can you let me through? And it was like they they eventually did. But it's a struggle, and, and I was told that it was just an event-per-event event basis. So I don't even know if I'll get to cover it for Fightful next time. I'm hoping I will because, you know, I did, I don't know how many interviews for them, and, you know, it's, I felt like the coverage was pretty good on our end. And as far as what Sean was telling me, that the hits on the, on the site were great. So hopefully that translates, but it's 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 an, it's an, an interesting situation because I was talking to someone about this the other day, and, uh, you know, you really have to – like, you could be – I mean, there's there's lots of people we know that – you know, for example, anyone who works at Bloody Elbow, there's a lot of really good, talented people over there. But Bloody Elbow, for some reason, um, which I'll say for another podcast, maybe when I get a guest on from there, but uh, they're 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 not accredited by the UFC. Now, Bloody Elbow does major numbers, but they don't they, they don't have access to any of the UFC events and everything as far as covering it for media. So, uh, yeah, it, you know, it's it's kind of a, an interesting situation. It's not as easy as you think. But at the same time, I remember being in Buffalo last year for two ten, and there's a kid who works for the you know the university newspaper. He got a credential. So it's, it's kind of weird the way they do it that way. So, uh, you know, the best bet is just to ask around and, and see, you know, if there's outlets. And what I always tell people, too, I mean, there's outlets that, you know, are overseas or whatever that that would, I'm sure, love the coverage if you offered to, you know, work for them for free or whatever. And, and you could use them as an outlet. So that's another route you can try uh, as well. So, you know, reach out to some of the bigger sites and say, hey, listen, I'm sure you don't have anyone going to cover this event. I'd love to do it for you. That That's another good way to sort of uh, sort of get in there. Um, you've interviewed a lot of fighters, Mike. Uh, is there one that's sort of on the bucket list that you haven't interviewed yet? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, I don't really think about it that way. I think DC was one of those guys. DC was definitely one of those guys. Um, and, and I ended up getting him. Uh, which is really cool. Um, I, I feel like they're so accessible and the ones that really aren't, you know, I feel like they've said what they had to say anyways. Like, I, like Conor McGregor's the biggest star in the sport. And if for some reason I could get him fantastic, but am I going to go crazy trying to get him? No, I'm just, I'm, I'm not. Um, that's a good question. I haven't really even thought about it. Well, we, um, we, can, we, we can round back to it at some point. I, I, I you know, I have to ask the on the spot questions to yeah. keep you on your toes, Mike. You know, this is this yeah, is man. the skill set we're trying to unleash here. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's it's important. Um, you know, you mentioned Dan Severn earlier. I I've not interviewed him uh, at, at all. So uh, he's someone I'm sure I'd, I'd like to talk to uh, at some point. Or you know, there's there's a lot of people I haven't interviewed, even though I've interviewed a lot of other people. It's just uh, it, it's tough. There's no real like bucket list. Um, you know, interview for me right now. I think I've interviewed most of the people I've wanted to. But I'll think of some people. I'm sure there's some people I, I haven't uh, had the opportunity to check out. Anyways, we've got about 15 minutes left. Um, I want to kind of get to any questions or any sort of advice that we can kind of bring upon here. But I wanted to bring up a tweet I put out earlier about this manager who contacted me to do an interview. Um, for those who haven't seen it, check my Twitter, but I'll basically get to the gist of it. This manager just on Facebook adds me as a friend. We have two mutual friends. That's usually my rule of saying, no, I'm not going to add you unless it's someone I like I, I I can clearly tell they're like a you know legit manager. They have like a you know, good profile picture like or if it's a fighter, like usually I'll, I'll do do the accept. But if it's only if we only have like two mutual friends, no way. Like I, you know, for me, I'm a little bit uh, particular about my Facebook. So this guy adds me on. He has like a fake name, um, whatever weird profile picture, this and that. He reaches out to me. And he basically says he wants me to do an interview with him, that he's this high level coach, this and that and blah, 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 and everything like that. And I politely, as you can see in the screen grab I posted, 
I just told him like, look, you know, I'm busy, especially now. Like I had this destination wedding I had to go to last week. I got to go to another destination wedding next week. So I'm having to work in between all this. So right now time is, uh, time and time is very, uh, you know, um, precious, so to speak. So I'm really just focused on interviewing fighters who either had fights or have upcoming fights. It's sort of always been my general rule. So I told this guy politely I couldn't. And then now he's telling me, oh, well, why don't you interview my fighters then? And literally, I, I blacked out the names on here. But the, if you saw, if I took the black off the, you know, the names of the fighters, nobody would know who they are. They're, they're very like, they're just people that are on the, the local, the regional scene, people that I haven't even heard of. So that just says that. But here's the key thing in the, in the, in the screen grab <laughs> that I'm going to read. He says, you need to interview more coaches with the fighters. The coaches are the ones who make this happen. Independent fighters win 5% of the time without characters uh, coaching the characters. You don't have a good product out there. I've been involved in the MMA since the nineties, which you repeated in the, in the first sentence. I don't care about me really. I just want some exposure for the struggling fighters. Well, you do care. Cause you pitched me off the top. That you wanted me to interview you. And two, don't tell media how to do their job. I mean, come on, man. Like, it's not like I'm a kid in college. You know, I've done this for a couple of years now. Like, telling people how to do your job that's that's not really a good way to start things so i thought that was you know i, I you know blanked out the guy's name i blanked out the fighters i didn't want this to be connected to anyone but uh but you know certainly i wanted to show people that there are managers like this um there's another story i alluded to on there as well where i had a manager i had agreed to do some interviews for this promotion it was through flow combat flow combat was airing their event and uh you know i, I got a couple of fighters from the card already did interviews with them and it's good and this manager out of nowhere we're talking on a tuesday the cards on saturday says, oh, uh, there's like a three-way Facebook conversation, says, oh, uh, so, uh, me, uh, James, he, he'll interview you, uh, what time's best for you? And uh, like, I don't even respond to this because it just sort of all happened quickly. And, and the, 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 you know, the, the fighter was like, oh, uh, noon works great. And they're like, okay, it's set. And I'm like, no, 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 hold on a second here. Like, I, <laughs> I, I, we didn't agree to anything. I didn't say, I didn't give you my availability. I didn't say I was going to do this. Like this manager just assumed that I was going to do it. And then when I said, look, I'm sorry, like I have stuff booked up, he says, oh, you should know this woman's going to be the next Ronda Rousey or whatever and blah, blah, blah. And I said, listen, look, it has nothing to do with the fact that this, you know, could be the next great thing. I just don't have time. I have other interviews booked. I'm not going to cancel my interviews or reschedule my interviews because you say so. Like the arrogance of some of these managers is just unreal to me. And, and we're talking on the local level. It's not even like, you know, uh, like I'm dealing with, you know, like a huge manager here that's in the UFC. So, um, you know, you, you get things like that. Um, you know, early on, there's some stuff I probably would have put up with just because you're starting out. You want to, you know, you want to you want to get interviews. But I, I, th I think the key thing here, if I've emphasized this, is just, you know, be polite, be professional. Don't go out of your way to, you know, burn any bridges. I was very polite throughout the whole thing. But at the same time, it's like, come on, you got to be a little realistic. So I'm going to turn the tables to you here, Mike. Do you have any similar stories, whether it's with managers or with fighters? It could be the UFC. It could be not. But do you have any stories like that? There's one fighter in particular that hit me up on Twitter a couple of times. And it was like a, a debut amateur fight that he wanted me to interview him for. And I was like, um, I, I was like, you know, we'll see how you do. And, and we'll do it later. Like, I'm, you know, it was, it was at the time where I was like pre-booking shows like weeks in advance and trying to fill up the calendar, which I realized is not the greatest idea in the world because things happen, fights fall out. Like you just never know. Um, so now I just kind of like, you know, on a Saturday or Sunday, that's when I start booking for the next week. So I was like, we'll see how you do. And, and we'll go from there. And, um, he was not happy with that response. He was like, well, you'll see, you'll, you'll regret it. You're not going to get another chance now. I was like, all right, what, you know, what, what do you want me to do? What, what, what do you want me to do right now? Um, you know, I haven't really had a lot of managers really do that, but you know, if I did, I would, I would revert them to the Ryan Levick slash Ed Cap school of, of public relations. I mean, those are the two, like, I can't even tell you how important those two guys have been. And I know you can attest to this because, yeah. um, you know, once you get in with a guy like Brian and he trusted you, like, he would throw you whoever you wanted. Like, you know, if you had names in it, Titan, he'd throw you names, you, you give him something, and you ask for something, to give it right back to you. And Ed's a kind of – Ed's great too. I mean, I, he's been on the show, right? Yes, he has. He was on a couple weeks ago. I'm going to get Ed back on because uh, we had some technical issues. Episode was only about 30, 40 minutes, but I need a good, like, solid hour with Ed because uh, he really is the hidden gem of this industry, in my opinion, as far as what he's done for people like you and me, but also even the bigger journalists. I mean, the, the amount of, uh, you know, uh, hookups he does as far as, you know, interviews and everything else. And you know what I like about Ed, too, and he does this, you know, a lot of the time is he'll give, like, a little bit of quick background information. I don't know why more P PR people don't do that. You want the interview to be good, have something interesting to talk about as opposed to just the regular question. So Ed is sort of the gold standard. I agree. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, they got so many fighters over there. And, you know, and one thing Ed appreciates is, uh, you know, just having that relationship, the give and take, because, you know, let's be honest, and we've talked about this before. You and I last year could have probably written a book on 
on things that we didn't report that we knew about. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We had you know a lot of off, off not just with with a lot of different people. Um, you know, and just that relationship, having that trust is so important. Like it's it's so much more important. To, and I remember talking to Damon about this. Like, you know, breaking fights is great. Like if you can get one, fantastic. But I can't let that be my sole purpose. Like that, that's not. I'm in it to talk to the fighters and, and, and tell stories and, and, and learn their stories. Like that's what I got to do. Um, that, that's my emphasis when covering the sport. It's not, you know, you could try to do a million different things, but you got to focus on your niche. Like the, the, the thing that you're good at, the thing you want to focus on. And if things happen in a place, like you have to do an interview and they drop some, some nuggets on you, there you go. You got something there. But other than that, um, just learning through you and, and guys like Ed and, you know, Ed's a very helpful guy. I mean, he, he, he'll, he'll get you interviews. Uh, he's, he's just great. He'll tell you stuff um, if you need to know, but you know, just respect what he says. It's great. Yeah. Just a great guy. He's unbelievable. Yeah. He's uh, he's really great. I'll, I'll definitely get him back on at some point. Cause uh, there's just a lot of knowledge there. And I think just industry wide, it's so hard to be universally liked, but I really don't know anyone who would have an issue with that just cause he's so good at, at what he does. Um, we, we talked about, you know, sort of, uh, you know, situations where, you know, fighters are, you know, th- things can be a little bit difficult. I think the, the most interesting thing is that, you know, you have fighters on the come up. Like, I think one of the coolest parts about our job, and, and I agree with you, like, I wouldn't want to be the guy who has to break news. Like, we're going to get, I'm going to get Nolan King on here at some point um, and, and talk about his, you know, great work that he's doing about breaking stories. But it's such a rough, it's such a stressful job and and it's so hard to do. Like, I don't, I, I, I have broken news the odd time, but I really tend not to just because I'd rather focus on the interviews for me the best part is where you get to interview a guy and it's his first uh, interview like i imagine for you getting to talk to matt Bissett after interviewing him for so many years in ces like to see him get on that level and get to witness it that must have been pretty cool for you it really was because you know i knew he'd done 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 other interviews i watched the one he did with noel and i watched the one he did with you heading into it um and obviously i learned a, a lot of different things and Matt's just so happy like um i try to approach things differently but matt just loved telling the story about um, getting the call from his manager and then dropping the date on him saying, you know, this is the first time I reached out about you to the UFC and to see it all go down. And, um, you know, your conversation with him talking about how his wife reacted to everything they're having a tiff. And, and Matt said, you know, she, now she's looking at me like we're, we're coming off our third date again, like all those things, just to see that hard work pay off when, you know, especially knowing now that, you know, he was on the brink of saying, you know what, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just going to move on and, and try to provide in a different way. And then right when that happened, boom, he gets the call of the UFC. And this should have happened like two or three years ago. Um, he shouldn't have been in on the contender series. He should have got his, his shot. And, you know, whatever happens with Matt, he's going to be a guy that's going to deliver the goods in the cage. Like he's going to be the guy that's going to, that's going to put on exciting fights. He's going to be the guy that's going to be in there trying to throw and push the action. So, you know, Matt's an exciting guy. It's, it's a good, relationship between those two Matt's going to be the guy putting on exciting fights he's grateful for the opportunity this is his dream come true um so I was so happy for him um you know it's nice to see that hard work pay off especially and you've talked to Matt multiple times as well to see a guy like that you've talked to over the years a guy that was so frustrated from not getting the call um probably deserved bigger spots on Bellator cards didn't get him he was just kind of the local ticket salesman when they came to Mohegan Sun um so happy for that guy yeah, it's what makes it uh, so cool is being along for the journey, you know, from from their hardships to, you know, achieving uh, success uh, in making it to the UFC. And yeah, it, you know, for Matt, just just getting there, I think, is, is sort of a win in itself. And uh, he had a good fight, too, on, on Saturday as well. So yeah. happy to see what's uh, kind of next for him. Uh, we've got about five minutes left, Mike, and this is usually where I sort of answer questions. Uh, we haven't really had any in the chat today, but uh, I did want to get sort of some of your best advice you think that you could give to people that might be watching this from your perspective, as far as if they want to get into radio, they want to get into, you know, this industry and do doing the broadcasting thing. Cause really I'd say first and foremost, when people look at you and what you do, I, I think your you know, your broadcasting skills are unreal. Like you have a solid voice, good delivery. And I think the fighters really enjoy talking to you. So what sort of is some advice you could give to, to our listeners? Um, you know, for both MMA and radio, um, my, my best advice is, uh, if you think you're going to get rich, you should probably turn the page because it ain't going to happen. Um, and you're going to work very hard. Uh, but you're also going to learn a lot of different things. Like one thing that I've learned in radio is um, audio, like how important audio is, because you can have the greatest interview of all time. But in my eyes, if it sounds like garbage, I'm not going to listen to it. I'm just not. I'll give you a couple of minutes. I don't care how great the material is. If it doesn't sound good, I'm not going to listen to it. So um, get equipment, invest in that stuff. Like I'm in a great situation where I have a studio and I have like top notch equipment that I don't have to pay for. Um, 
I'm just lucky in that sense. However, if I didn't have that, you know, for some reason, the radio station fired me tomorrow for some reason, I would go out and buy that stuff. Like I know it works. Sound as good as possible. Learn production, learn elements, reach out to people who produce music and try to collaborate with them in different ways. Like when you do those things, it makes your show sound so much better. Um, Another thing, and you could probably attest to this as well, interview everybody, like interview everybody. If you've got regional cards, you've got local cards, you've got Titan FC, you've got anybody. If someone reaches out to you about a Titan FC card, I have all these fighters and you're looking to get into this game. Those are the guys and the gals you need to talk to. You need to, you need to get those reps in. That's how you get comfortable with everything. Um, and, and who knows, you know, you could catch lightning in a bottle. could get a guy like a, like a Shorty Torres. I, I, the first time I interviewed Jose Shorty Torres, I remember the great Brian Levick said, you got to get this guy on. I'm like, well, how many fights he had? He's, he's never had a professional fight. He's going to make his debut in December. He's like, but I'm telling you, dude, you talk to this guy, you're just going to have, you're going to be blown away. And I was, I, I couldn't believe how intelligent he was to, for such a young guy, uh, how he handled his amateur career. Another guy, and I'm sure you've interviewed him as well, Arian Zekti. Yep. Oh Arian? yeah, big time. Very well spoken. Uh, fights for Shamrock FC. Oh man. I remember Brian sold me on him and I was like, all right, man, we'll see. And you know, right after that, I was like, Whoa, I'm like this guy's something else. Like I hope, I hope he runs off a bunch of wins and gets in the UFC. Cause this is a guy that you can build, you can build around just cause he's so smart and so intelligent, but he's also really quick witted and stuff. Uh, and he can fight. So, you know, sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle and you find these, these young guys from regional promotions that just blow the doors off when it comes to interviews. So you know, take those chances. You know, you're not going to interview John Jones every single time. Get out there and just interview whoever. It's a Bellator prelim person from your area. Interview them. Interview everybody. Just get those reps in and get comfortable with it because eventually you're just going to get better and better and better. And then you're just, you know, I was so excited to go into media day. I was like, I don't have a game plan. I don't have questions. I'm just going to go in and wherever the conversation goes, that's where it's going to go. And that's when I felt like the most comfortable that where everything that I did was the right way to go about it. Like I interviewed so many people to get to this point and to be able to talk to Daniel Cormier and not be freaked out by it. Um, didn't need to like read off a bunch of questions on my cell phone. I was, I was really happy and, and I was pretty proud of that. And you touched on something there. Uh, you sort of went into media day, you know, don't, I don't have a list of questions. Don't have anything written down. I think improv is so important, especially if you're covering events. I had someone reach out to me the other day about, you know, whether they should read a script or not when they're on camera. And I said, absolutely not, you know, get the bullet points in there, but it's going to come across a lot better if you make a couple bullet points and just sort of build off it. Yeah. You might fumble over your words, but people are going to buy it more. They're, you're you're going to sell uh, what, what it is you're presenting much better because of the fact that it's, you know, genuine and, and off the cuff. Um, if you write something ahead of time, you know, this isn't the Academy Awards. The content is what you want here. And that if you can deliver that in a genuine way, people will keep coming back. And I think that's uh, that's very important. And like you said, practice. Uh, we got about two minutes left. And I did want to ask you this too. Biggest mistakes you see people making in the industry right now? I, w- I want to hear your thoughts on that. Ooh. Um, I think one thing that irks me, and it, and I get it for an up-and-coming website, but one thing that irks me is people just reaching out and bombarding people if you don't if, if they don't feel like they got the credit for something. Okay. Like, come on now. Stop, stop making all that stuff public. There's no need. And Hunter Helmestek, and I believe you were on the episode of Between the Links, one thing that MMA media needs to do better is come together. Like, come together. We're not – we're competitive. But that's the way it is in every field. But there's no reason why – as a group of MMA media members, as a group of people who have the same goal, who want to cover the sport in their own way, who want the sport to evolve at the end of the day, that's the big goal here, as well as your careers. Why can't we like come together? Why, you know, I saw Hunter Homestack and Justin go lightly collaborate on a piece on flow combat. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, when flow combat, like retweets an article that I wrote, that's amazing. Like there should be more of that in this game. It shouldn't be, well, you know, he said this, he said, she said this, like, we deserve the credit for this. We deserve the credit. Who cares? Who cares at the end of the day? Let's all come together. We're not out to get each other. It's not about that. That's the one thing that really irks me in this business. Otherwise, I feel like we're going in a good direction here. I feel like, you know, kind of the guys who have been there doing it for a while are going to continue to do so their mainstays but i feel like there's a new crop of of media members that are starting to make their way and do it in in a different way especially you doing the video you've taken the video game to another level so it is an exciting time in mma and if we can all like get along and you know compete in a positive way this is only going to get better 
And the cool thing was, because again, I was sort of following what was happening uh, on Media Week, just kind of checking your Twitter feed and everything like that. Is like you were hanging out with the same people I would have hung out with during Fight Week. Like there is this uh, camaraderie between a group of guys, um, you know, not sort of the, the guys that work for the bigger sites, but there's like a group of us who will all sort of make a point of hanging out with each other after media days over, go for a beer, go for a drink, whatever. Um, you know, that that is something I definitely look forward to, and uh, it's something that uh, you know, as as each event goes, it's it's cool to see who you know ends up showing up uh, covering the event. So there's that part of it as well. And uh, Mike Heck, I will have a beer with you one of these days. We have to uh, coordinate an event for it to happen. But uh, it's yeah. it's so it's so cool to do. Like I I can't tell you. And like I remember we had that meetup last year for Flow Combat where we had everyone come out. Like that's the type of stuff that makes you know the long nights and the and the hard editing and you know all these things uh, much more worthwhile. So it was great. And uh, Mike, you were great. Uh, I've taken up way more uh, time than I needed to. Uh, we were about a minute over, but uh, it, it was great getting a chance to have you on here and tell your story. I'd love to get you back on here at some point. Just uh, remind the fine people watching this where they can get a hold of you on social media and anything you got coming up this week for fan-sided mma sports illustrated mma the sflc podcast between the links and my mma news the floor is yours sir um you can follow me on twitter at mike heck underscore jr uh you can follow the show on twitter at sflc podcast same with with facebook as well um as far as what's coming up uh we just interviewed i just released i believe it just happened while we were doing this uh, I got a series of, interview, of interviews coming out on fansided.com uh, with Vince Pichel, uh, who's fighting Joaquin Silva on Saturday. And we, I talked to him on the show for about 30 minutes. And I got to tell you, it was one of those interviews where you're just like, whoa. And I remember reaching out to you specifically about it. I was like, whoa, that guy is something else. Uh, first interview is about kind of the hardships he went through, the, the, the three-year layoff, all the things he had to overcome all the way to the road of, of getting into the octagon in Auckland, New Zealand and knocking out Damian Brown and you know, how that made him feel and uh, really eye-opening stuff. So that just got released on fansided.com. Uh, we're going to do another one, talk about the fight itself. Uh, I asked him what, you know, for those who are covering his fight, what's the headline going to read and what he had to say was unbelievable. Uh, so that should be coming out tomorrow. Uh, on the SFLC podcast, we got Eric Anders and Anna Houlton coming on this week. And then we just dropped between the links with, Jose Young's Damon Martin and filling your big shoes was the great and aforementioned Nolan King, uh, MMA underscore Kings on Twitter. I'm sure you've seen him break a million things. So James, this is an honor. Thank you for having me on. And I'm, I feel like I've taken up too much of your time at this point. Yeah, you never take up too much of my time. I, I definitely appreciate it. Uh, for everyone watching, we got the, the Charlotte card coming up this week. Here on Fightful.com, I've got interviews with Justine Kitch, Frank Camacho, Randa Marcos, Andre Feely, and Vince Bissell, who uh, who talked to Mike as well. But check out Mike's thing first, and then you can check the video form out uh, after. And then, of course, on uh, Fan Sided, I got uh, interviews with Jordan Rinaldi, Drew Dober, and I got a pros pick as well for, for this as well, too. So I talked to some of the guys about the main events. So you can check that out. I got a bunch of interviews tomorrow uh, coming up here for uh, for Fightful and, and uh, Fansided as well. So so keep your eye out for that. Don't like to announce those just in case there's some technical difficulties. Don't want to give uh, people their, their hopes up or whatever. Um, and uh, what else? I'm just trying to think. I mean, the, the industry podcast will be back next Thursday. I will be in Dominican Republic. Yes, I'm traveling again next week. Uh, just it's crazy that uh, I agreed to do all these destination weddings or go and uh, support. Uh, you know, close uh, family and friends. And I think that's about it. I want to thank everyone for watching. We'll be back here next week and uh, tune in next time. And I want to thank Mike once again for joining me here. On Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.